The United States government, as I covered last week, has a nickname. Ever since the War of 1812, Americans have lovingly referred to the United States federal government as Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam was made famous, again, as I explained last week, in World War I and World War II by this 1917 portrait by a guy by the name of James Flagg. And here's Uncle Sam pointing, I want you for the U.S. Army. Now again, Uncle Sam is what? Broke. So Uncle Sam today would be saying this, I want your money. That's what Uncle Sam would say. I love the simplified tax forms that make their way around during tax season. I don't know if you've seen this, right? One, how much money did you make? Two, send it to us, okay? On behalf of Uncle Sam, thank you. Uncle Sam would really like you to ante up your game along those lines. Um, now, one of the jobs that Uncle Sam has had over the past 50-plus years is the building and maintaining of roads. And there are indications, gang, that Uncle Sam has not been doing that job so well. In the state of Kentucky, this is from the Department of Transportation website. These are government figures. These aren't you know, people that are just crazy, grumpy, mad. You live in Kentucky. In Kentucky... 31% of the bridges are considered structurally obsolete or uh, structurally deficient. So in other words, as you're crossing those bridges today, gang, you have a one in three chance of one of them, you know, buckling under you, okay? The good news is that you really don't pay that much. So because of the condition of our roads and because of the fact that they're in poor repair, if you own a car, you're going to spend $185 this year on car repairs related to the condition of the roads that you wouldn't have otherwise spent. And according to the Department of Transportation, 34% of our roads are considered to be in poor condition in the state of Kentucky. We're actually doing well. Jenny and I moved here from the state of Illinois. In that state, 74% of the roads are considered in. And if you lived in Chicago, you knew that was true because you experienced it every day. <laughs> it was terrible. It was really death on the road. Speaking of which, um, in 19, let's see, wait, in 2007, on August 1st, 2007, the I-35 bridge in Minneapolis collapsed. It collapsed at the height of rush hour. 14 people were killed, 145 people injured. Gang, this isn't a county road. This is I-35, as in Interstate 35, okay? And if that, if that wasn't whack enough, a few years later in 2013, the I-5 bridge collapsed. Again, that's Interstate 5, the I-5 bridge outside of Nowhere, Washington. Now, the good news about this one is there were only two cars on it and apparently it wasn't that far down to the water, and they swam to safety. They made it, okay? But now, I understand that pastors are supposed to remain politically neutral, and I promise that I do that on the whole. But I'm going to say something now, and just understand, this is not the position of Generations Community Church. I didn't run this by church leadership. You can believe different things. It's entirely okay. But I, this is just me speaking for me. 
I happen to believe that in order to be a first world country, you have to be able to cross bodies of water safely. I'm just saying it, okay? So if we wanna maintain our first world status, I need to be able to get over the Ohio River. I need to be get, get over the Kentucky River. If I'm on I-75 and I have to stop in Covington and call my state farm agent and up my policy because I'm going to Cincinnati, that's what we call no bueno, okay? No bueno, okay? I'm, again, you can believe differently if you want. I'm just saying for me, for me, in order for us to be a first world country, I want to be able to cross bodies of water safely. I like living. Now, Uncle Sam is supposed to take this into consideration. So in 1956, Uncle Sam established the Highway Trust Fund. Maybe you've heard of it. Uncle Sam has lots of trust funds. The Social Security Trust Fund, the Medicare Trust Fund. You're laughing, that's not a good sign. <laughs> so here's the state of the Highway Trust Fund. If you were here last week and you saw the graphs and charts I had, you're like, wait a minute, the 20 teens seem to be this big tipping point. Yes, they do. Hmm. Uh, so the, the trust fund was bringing in, this is because the government lobbies an 18.4 cents a gallon tax on every gallon of gas you buy. And it's supposed to pay for roads and bridges. But, it, but in 2014, it became insolvent. In other words, it ran out of money. And here's the projected shortfalls as we get into 2024. Um, that's not good. Now, do you know why Uncle Sam created the trust fund? Because the engineers that Uncle Sam hired in the 1950s and 1960s went to Uncle Sam and said, hey, boss, you know these bridges and roads we're building? They have a lifespan. They're gonna need to be repaired. And there's a point at which you're gonna have to replace them. In fact, because we're engineers and we have slide rulers, we can tell you exactly when you need to do this. But what has happened? Uncle Sam's like, oh my goodness, me, 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 me. I gotta do something about roads. Now we can look at Uncle Sam and go, what are you, Uncle Sam, stupid? They told you in the 1950s and 1960s that when we got to this point, you'd have to replace stuff. What do you mean this caught you by surprise? Now, it's easy to point fingers and lay blame. Republicans point fingers at Democrats and say, Democrats just like to spend money on crazy stuff. And Democrats point the finger at Republicans and say, Republicans just don't wanna spend money except in for defense and help out rich people. And then libertarians are like, listen, the reason we're in this mess is because of these two bozos, and if you just put us in charge, it'll be better. And then the communists come around and they say, hey, can we say something? And everybody says, no, shut up, okay? <laughs> okay, so, so I want to make a point. It's easy to point fingers and lay blame, but, and here's, this is really important, the problems and the financial problems that Uncle Sam has the problems that our nation has with money, let's be honest, it's problems we the people have. Some of us, this, here's a great thing, some guys rolling around, what happened to the highway trust fund money? Oh, we bought these stickers. <laughs> okay, no bueno. Again, no bueno. Now, we may not be this bad off, but let's be honest. Some of us have spent more money than we make. 
Some of us have bought things that we didn't need and just like Uncle Sam have spent more for them than we should have. Some of us don't have any plan whatsoever for our money. It just comes in and goes out and we're amazed that it even works. Okay? Some of us have wrongly assumed that the stuff we own is going to last forever. What do you mean my fridge is dead? It's only 18 years old. <laughs> okay? Again, I just want to suggest to you that we, you and I, we are part of the problem. We're part of the problem. And tucked away in the Gospel of Matthew is a passage that I want us to hear today because it's something we need to hear. Um, and it's found in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to look at the first six verses. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. This is the second most quoted Bible verse. Now, when people quote this Bible verse, they don't know where it's from. The number one quoted Bible verse, of course, is John 3.16. This is a close second, and this is the verse that everybody likes to throw back at Christians. Don't judge. You're judging. Stop it. Stop judging. I see you. I see your judicial thoughts. Stop it. Okay, don't judge. So let's, let's wade through this passage. Verse 1 of chapter 7. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Now, this word here, this Greek word, krenos, it can mean a lot of different things. It can mean discernment. It can mean judicial litigation. It can mean a pronouncement of guilt. Innocent, guilty. It can mean uh, the, uh, a, a bestowal of reward. It can also mean the absolute determination of one's fate, heaven, hell, life, death, krenos. But used here in this sermon from Jesus, it refers to a critical condemning attitude, or as I like to call it, a crapitude, which I sometimes get from time to time. You may be in a similar boat and find that crapitudes come upon you, okay? This is a critical condemning attitude. Now, does Jesus say don't judge at all? No, we know from the rest of the New Testament, we're told to exhort, to warn, to discern, to beg. Uh, we're told to do these things. So Jesus isn't saying don't judge. He's saying don't judge with the wrong spirit. And this gets fleshed out in the verses that follow. Verse 2, for you will be treated as you treat others. Hmm, this sounds like the other thing he says a lot. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. The Chinese put it this way. People in glass houses don't throw stones, right? Uh, another way it tends to be said in our culture is, hey, what goes around comes around. Watch it. <laughs> what goes around comes around. If you're blind to your own faults, however seemingly insignificant they are, and yet you have an unfairly critical attitude about others, it's a double standard. It's hypocrisy. And what Jesus is saying is, all the people around you aren't going to tolerate it, and God won't either. Nobody likes a hypocrite. All right? And he further fleshes this out in the next several verses, verses 3 through 5. And when you worry, and oh, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite! Exclamation mark. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck 
in your friend's eye. This is what we call hyperbole. It's meant to be funny. Come on, if you had a giant plank in your eye, you wouldn't be able to do anything, let alone go through a doorway, okay? So the, the hyperbole here is that there's some poor bloke who's got a giant two by four sticking out of his eye and he's like, hey, hey, I think you've got a speck there. You know, let me take care of that for you. You know, you really got a problem, pal. It's humorous. It's meant to be humorous. We're supposed to hear this and go, what kind of a bloke does that? What kind of an idiot does that? And Jesus is like, mm, think about it. <laughs> think about it. We do this. Psychologists call this fundamental attribution error. You know, like your friend at work, Adrian, who's always late all the time, and it's because she's got to have her makeup just so, and she can't plan ahead for anything. Ugh, Adrian's got problems. You know, they should probably just fire Adrian. And then when you're late, it's like, man, you just don't understand. You know, one kid was barfing everywhere this morning. I had to clean that up. And then I got to Nicholasville Road at the wrong time, and all the lights turned red. <gasps> right? See the difference? Adrian's to blame because Adrian's a loser. But, you know... You being late, that's because things happened. I mean, my goodness, cut me some slack already. That's fundamental attribution error. And that's what Jesus is talking about in this passage. The theologian R.T. France put it this way. He says, we mix ignorance of ourselves with arrogance towards others. That's a great bumper sticker. I'm going to read that again. We mix ignorance of ourselves with arrogance towards others. And because we can see what's wrong with everyone else, we often miss how our judgments are coming across. I, I, probably the clearest way to explain this is, uh, it's a funny story, okay? There was a wife at home trying to fry eggs when her husband came in. He walked into the kitchen and immediately started yelling, careful, careful, put in some butter, put in some butter now, now. Turn them, turn them, we need butter. Oh, they're gonna stick, they're gonna stick. They're sticking, I see they're stick, turn. Well, the wife became incensed, right? She says, what is wrong with you? Why are you yelling at me? Don't you think I know how to fry eggs? I just wanted to show you what it's like when you uh, tell me how to drive, honey. That's what young people call a mic drop. <laughs> okay, mic drop, boom. We, now, we church people are not immune to this, right? How many times have we showed up to a service and we've heard the sermon and we've thought to ourselves, man, Gary should have been in church today. <laughs> this is Gary's issue. And we didn't even know it was Gary Sunday. I mean, I would have made sure the guy was in here to hear what he needs to hear. I can't tell him because he'll deck me, but man, he'd take it from pastor. <laughs> Fundamental attribution error, Okay. Verse 6, and Jesus finishes out this way, and it's one of the strangest and most difficult passages in the New Testament. Don't waste what's holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw pearls to pigs. They'll trample the pearls and turn and attack you. In other words, when we're sharing sacred things with un, you know, people who don't respect it, it's going to come back and bite us, right? But on the whole, in these six verses, I want you to see something. I want you to see that Jesus is saying something to you and me. And what he's saying is, hey, 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 plank in the eye person. You're not perfect either. Be careful, little mouth, what you say, right? Jesus is saying, hey, you have issues too. 
And keep those in mind when you're calling out issues in other people. Be generous, be gracious, okay? So Uncle Sam isn't the only one with money problems. We, the American people, we have some money problems too. And it may very well be the case that part of where Uncle Sam is is because of where we are, right? So in light of this passage, let me ask a few questions. The first question, forget about Uncle Sam for a moment. Are you undisciplined with money? Are you undisciplined with money? In other words, if money talks, does the only thing money ever say to you is goodbye, bye-bye, bye, bye-bye, bye. If you have older kids that drive, it may sound, feel that way. Okay, are you living beyond your means? In other words, are your expenses more than your income on an ongoing, regular basis? Are you living beyond your means? Do you have a plan for roads in your life? We talked about Uncle Sam and the fact that he's got some roads that he needs to fix and repair. Are, are you prepared for the roads in your life? I know of a church uh, in Lexington that had a, had a big fundraiser because they needed to replace their roof. Gang, roofs have a life expectancy. If it's an asphalt roof, it's 20 to 30 years. If it's a metal roof, it's about 50 years. At Church of the Savior, where I was the executive pastor, we started saving a certain amount every year because we knew 10 years later we were going to be hit with a $75,000 bill, and that was not something the church could stomach in, in one budget year, okay? Um, if you're, uh, so let me, let me draw this specific, okay? So if you're here today and you're a student, you're a teenager, you're a middle school, high school student, I want to suggest something to you. There are fees in your life. If you go to West or East High School, there's an activity fee. There are fees for graduation. These are, when you come home and you're like, Mom, Dad, I need $75. Mom and Dad get grumpy, don't they? They're like, I'm always giving the school money. Maybe they're happy about it. I don't know. But I'm just calling out some parents. Some parents get grumpy about those kind of things. You can know these fees ahead of time. You can go into the office. You can get a list. It's, I mean, they know about these fees. This is, it's not a government secret. You don't need Security One clearance to get it. Like, you can find out ahead of time the fees that, that, that are coming on in your life. If you're a young, that's a road, by the way. Fees, if you're a student, fees in school are a road. It's going to happen. You can count on it. Um, if you're a college student, for example, and you sign up for classes, <gasps> there are going to be books. And the books are going to cost money. I know you think, oh, I'm just going to borrow, blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no. It's a road. Plan for the road. Plan for the road. Um, for those of you that are uh, young enough to drive, I want to tell you something about your car. And this is on behalf of your mechanic. Your car needs oil changes and tires. If you don't change the oil in your car ever, it's like smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. Could you live to be 90? Sure. Are you likely to hit 90? Eh, no, okay? So if you don't ever change the oil in your car, you're reducing the car's lifespan. So, but the, this is a road in your life. You should plan for this road. Tires are in that same category. If your car lives outside and is never garaged, about three or four years, regardless of how much tread you've worn off, they're going to start to dry rot. It's just how things are, okay? So homeowners, I, and I know, I want to make this specific and relevant to your life. I, I really do. If you own a home, I have bad news for you. 
Appliances are terrible. Used to be, my grandparents could buy a refrigerator in 1957 and that sucker would last 50 years, 50 years. If you buy a refrigerator today and you get 15 out of it, count yourself lucky. They are pieces of junk. And that's a political statement, I know. But, but appliances wear out, right? So if you own a house, we experienced this. We bought our house in 2007 that we live in right now. And they had put in a brand new fridge, a brand new um, stoven, uh, oven microwave combo thing. It, that was 2007. We're not even up on 10 years. Guess what? I've had to replace both the fridge and the oven microwave combo. The oven started going out one year, and so we just didn't bake anything. It was terrible. But we, I started saving. And then I thought to myself, why am I going to spend all this money on a, they wanted two or $3,000 for something would fit in that hole. And I, why am I going to spend two or $3,000 for something that's just going to break down? This is stupid. And so we got a $50 oven from Restore. And it's a double oven. And my repair guy tells me that the bottom one, because it's all knobs, that will live longer than me. <laughs> he says, Max, you'll die before that oven does. I was like, yes. <laughs> Some of you are like, Max, you are cheap. I prefer the word frugal. <laughs> I prefer the word frugal. But I'm just saying there are roads in your life. There are roads in your life. Plan for the roads and bridges in your life. Now, I want to talk about hurricanes for a moment. Roads and bridges are things and stuff that just wear out and you can plan on. But I hate to tell you this, sometimes you may experience a hurricane. Now, you can't plan for a hurricane. No one, no one knew Katrina was coming. No one knew Sandy was coming until it was pretty much almost there. And so this last month in Louisiana, the, see all the places in red in this map? Those are the places that were washed away. I mean, just gone, washed away, bye-bye. And the overwhelming majority of people, 500,000 homeowners, did not have flood insurance, okay? So uh, now Uncle Sam's got a big bill with this flooding in Louisiana. He's got to repair roads that were washed away. He's got school buildings and other things that he's got to take care of. In your life, you may encounter a hurricane, but in a hurricane is something like this. You go into the doctor and the doctor tells you you've got cancer or a big deal medical issue. You show up for work one day and your boss calls you in. It's a job you've had for seven years and they say, you know, you know how we've been, the, the owners have been trying to sell him, have been trying to sell the business. They decided this week that they're just not going to do it. They're going to close it down and we're letting you go today. And you're like, what? I've got to pay my rent. Okay. That's, an un, that's a hurricane. Um, no one who gets married plans on getting divorced. That's a hurricane. Often in, this, in our culture, uh, bankruptcy often follows in the heels of divorce, okay? And these are things that nobody plans on, boom, but when they hit, they can be devastating, all right? So there's a verse in the Bible, and here's costly hurricanes. There's a verse in the Bible that I want to draw your attention to, Proverbs 27, 12. A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. So how do you prepare for roads, bridges, and hurricanes? I'm going to give you two steps, right? In case of emergency, break glass. Oh, look, that's money. <laughs> you need an emergency fund, gang. 
So here's your, of anything in this teaching series on money, if you run with this, I will be thrilled. I will be thrilled if every single household in generations by Christmas has either $500 or $1,000 set aside. So if you're single, make it a goal between now and Christmas, save $500. If you are married and have a house, or you're married and you've got kids, save $1,000. Do anything you can to get this. So cut expenses. Maybe for 60 days, you just don't eat out at all and you get rid of cable. Um, sell stuff. Have a garage sale. In Jessamine County, if you do it right and you advertise right, you can make some money. Get a second job. That's often what I do. I will do things for Asbury University or Central Baptist Hospital and it'll bring in extra money, okay? But do something to generate for an emergency fund. Um, now, a couple of words of advice about this. When you save this money, don't link it to your checking account for overdraft protection. Do you, do you know why I say that? Because I'm a pastor and I know human nature. And do you know what human nature does in that set of circumstances? Oh, we have an extra $1,000. <laughs> we have an extra $1,000, no worries. You're always gonna be borrowing against it. So don't link it to your checking account. Uh, I know of a lady who when she saved her $1,000, she got an eight by 10 frame. She put it in the frame and she hung the frame up in her closet behind all her clothes. She did that because she wanted to make it just hard enough to get to that she would have the mental and other things of, is this really an emergency? So let me do a quick quiz. Are Christmas gifts an emergency? No. no. If your three-year-old refrigerator dies, is that an emergency? Yes. Um, if the tires on your car go out because they've gone bald, is that an emergency? Yes, but should you have been planning for it? Yes, you should have, right? Um, uh, you come home at the end of the day and you're like, stink, there's no dinner, we're going out. Is that an emergency? No, okay. See, you got a good head on your shoulders, gang. You can figure this out. So step one, homework, $500 or $1,000 tucked away in an emergency fund. Step two, and see how this life preserver is made of money? You need a life preserver like this. So step two would be three to six months of income set aside. And I know for some of you, are like, whoa, that's just baby steps. Think of baby step number one. If you don't have $500 or $1,000 set aside, make that your goal right now. But another step, what this does is this gives you some options when a hurricane hits. Money Magazine said that 75% of Americans, 75% of Americans will experience a financial hurricane in their life over the next decade. So look around this, look to your left, look to your right, look behind you. Only one of you is gonna make it unscathed. The rest of you are going to have a hurricane hit. In 2013, uh, my wife got very, very sick, almost died. It's the first time in my life I had seen six-figure uh, medical bills. I had never seen bills like that. We were writing checks to Kroger for $500 for a week's worth of medication. Boom. It drained all of the money that we had saved to that point. Emergency fund plus some reserves. But here's what it did, gang. At that, at, in 2013, I wasn't panicked that I was going to lose my house. 
because I had something to buttress me against a hurricane, okay? So again, I come back to Proverbs. A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. In other words, take action. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. And you and I would say, amen and amen. Is that good advice? Yes, yes that's good advice. And here's why this is important. When you have an emergency fund, when you have some reserves, when stuff happens, you're not stressed out. The, the nuclear missiles never leave the silos. In some people's relationships with their boyfriend, girlfriend, with their husband, spouse, right? Something goes wrong. The car needs a big thing, and all of a sudden, it's World War III. And they're fighting, and everybody's mad and yelling. Why? Because there's no margin. When you can buffet and experience roads, bridges, and to some degree, some hurricane, your stress level remains low. It's almost as though God knows exactly how you're hardwired and what you need to live a life of shalom.